Good morning. Uh, I got a sick kiddo at home this morning, so I stayed home uh, with her, and my family's on their way to church right now, so I'm going to take this opportunity while she's uh, resting to, to just share something with you this morning. I've been, uh, been preparing this and working on this, and I just really, really, really believe that it's something that, that we need, something that we need to hear something that we need to understand. But uh, before I even get started, I'm going to pray, and, uh, and then I'll just dive right in. Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for this opportunity to be able to open up your word, to be able to share your word, Lord. Um, Lord, may your word just speak to us today. May we have open ears and open hearts to receive. And I just give you praise in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> if you got a Bible or, or a device that has a Bible app on it or something, uh, open up to Jeremiah chapter 36, and actually I'm going to read basically the whole passage here and, and stop from time to time and just make some comments and, and, and focus in on some things that are being said in this passage, but in, in Jeremiah 36, it's a fascinating story, um, I'm not going <clears> to <throat> share much of of, of why I believe that until we get more towards the end because I don't want to give away kind of what, what I feel like uh, needs to be shared today. But here in Jeremiah chapter 36, I'm just going to pick up in verse 1. It says, In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel and Judah and all the nations from the day I spoke to you from the days of Josiah until now, until today. So <clears throat> as we go along with this passage, I just I just encourage you to maybe take some notes. I encourage you to maybe uh, just try to visualize what's going on here. Kind of put yourself into the story. Paint a picture, as my, my old English teacher would always say. Paint a picture of what's going on. But right here at the beginning, the first two verses, we see the time frame of, of, of this whole thing being spoken. It says it's in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah. Now, I want to stop for just a minute, and we're, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. Um, but King Josiah was a, was a guy that had basically cleansed, cleansed um, the temple, had cleansed uh, everything, uh, knocked down the the idols and, and and really just purged all the evil from from the 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 congregation just purged the evil from them and here we are with his son being the next king and we're, we're back into uh, evil living we're back into sinful pleasures uh, just a few years after Josiah had done this I'll talk a little bit more about Josiah in just a little bit uh, as we go along but uh, keep that in mind as we're, as we're as we're going through this that this is just a few years after Josiah had purged everything the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord and he and, and the Lord said to take a scroll and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel and Judah and all the nations from the day I spoke to you until from the days of Josiah until now so God, God's going to give the people of Judah, he's going to give them an opportunity to respond to this word. 
And, and, and what he's desiring is for them to turn from their wicked ways and for them to be to, to receive forgiveness. He's offering forgiveness. He's offering them an opportunity to turn. And here's, here's the thing that I, I want us to grasp and really understand is that we can sit, into, sit in church Sunday after Sunday. Maybe we even attend a, a midweek service. Maybe we spend time reading the word even daily. And we can sit there and we can listen and we can hear the written word. We can hear a word proclaimed and yet do nothing with it. We can just go, well, that's for someone else. When, when Honestly, when the word of God is opened, it's a word for all of us. Th- this passage right here, as we're talking about Judah and, and, and God desiring them to, to turn from their wicked ways, really speaks to me. It really speaks to me that there's areas in my life that I really need to examine. There's areas in my life where maybe I don't follow God in the way that I should. Maybe I, I, I follow my own desires. And it's something that we all really need to evaluate. We need to look deeply into ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to really speak to us, allow God to really reveal those things in us that do not bring Him pleasure, do not please Him. So, if, if, if you're following along here, this, this is uh, verse 3. Listen to what it says. This is still God talking. It says, It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them, so that everyone may turn from his evil way, and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. So right here we see that God desires them to turn. That God desires them to get back into fellowship with him. That's his goal. And a lot of times we may look at this and go, Well, why is he, why is he bringing disaster on people? Why is he doing this? His whole purpose is for them to understand that he's God and he wants them to serve him. He wants to give them the best. He wants to bless them. He, but there's no, he can't bless them if they're living in disobedience. So notice what it says here. Uh, this, was, this was, honestly, this was tw- about 20 years before the final conquest uh, of Jerusalem. And it's still possible to see God rescue them. It was... It was possible for the judgments not to happen. They had an opportunity to, to for those judgments to, to, to be wiped away, that they wouldn't have to happen. All they had to do was turn. Listen to what it says here. But they, for, them to, for, for these judgments to be averted, they needed to hear what God was saying. That's the first thing that they had to do was hear. Hear what God was saying to them. And then on top of that, they needed to Turn from their wicked ways. Every person turn. Turn turn back to God. Turn away from pleasing self. Turn away from these wicked things that they were doing. And then if those things happened, God would graciously promise to forgive their iniquity and their sin. They had to hear and they had to turn. That's what God was desiring. So in verse 4, and as we, as we go along here, I just have to apologize. There's some really tough names to, to pronounce in, in this, so I, I'm probably going to butcher some of these, so just kind of bear with me. Verse 4 says, Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote on, wrote on a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord that he had spoken to him. So you see in this whole thing. Now, we're going to understand why he's having somebody else write this, 
we're going to see what's going to take place here in just a second. But Jeremiah is 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 this is a this is a good friend of Jeremiah. It's probably his secretary, somebody that just just follows him and takes 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 his notes and everything. And and he he's writing everything that Jeremiah is dictating to him. He's writing all the words the Lord has spoken to Jeremiah. And verse 5 says, Jeremiah ordered Baruch saying, I am banned from going to the house of the Lord. Now this is this is so interesting to me. This is a prophet of God. This is a guy that that scripture talks about him being the weeping prophet. That's that's kind of his nickname is the weeping prophet. And yet he is ba- he is banned from the house of the Lord. He can't even go into worship. And Jeremiah had been very faithful to God's word, but it was the spiritual leaders that had banned him. It was them who told them that he couldn't be a part of their service. He couldn't he couldn't come into the house of worship. I had read a story of uh, John Wesley as he was preaching and things and he would be banned from churches and everything and he would be he would be he would see nothing no no salvations no nothing going on in these services and he would get banned but yet he would go out and he'd preach in fields and see great revivals happen i want to read this is from adam hamilton's blog online and he shares a little bit about john wesley and i just want to share a little bit here He says, John Wesley's preaching was unnerving to many of the priests and laity who heard him. These listeners were unsettled by his zeal and passion and were challenged by his sometimes condemning and convicting words. Because his style and message offended so many churches, they were closed to him. So he began preaching in the fields and marketplaces, often quite near the churches that had shut their doors to him. Most towns with a market had a market cross at the center as a visible reminder to merchants that Christ watched as they conducted business. Wesley often preached on the stairs or near these crosses. He would start by singing hymns until a crowd had gathered. Then he would begin to preach about the need for salvation, forgiveness, and walking to God. The priest and laity offended by his sermons often were the same people who hired thugs and rabble-rousers to disturb him. Many of the priests felt Wesley was preaching without authorization and meddling with the people in their town. During the 19 years of sermons, John was pelted with rotten tomatoes, manure, and stones, but he refused to give up. In every crowd, though, were those who heard Wesley and were moved. He described the work of the Holy Spirit among the mobs and his often miraculous deliverance from harm. He reported that frequently those who came to, came like lions to devour him felt like lambs. I'm sorry, that they left like lambs, and many found their own souls awakened by the Spirit through his preaching. For 19 years, this was Wesley's weekly, even daily experience. He was dragged before magistrates, beaten with fists, pummeled with rocks. Homes where he stayed were set afire. How discouraging it must have been. But he refused to give up. And his perseverance in the face of opposition made all the difference. John Wesley was harassed and lampooned by thousands. Surely he felt like quitting, but he refused. You know, that's as a as a <clears throat> as a pastor. <laughs> sometimes we we preach, and I've had people confront me and say things that I didn't think was necessary to be said. Um, things that uh, were not uplifting at all. Were more. Um, 
kind of kind of felt like a jab to the side. Um, but I, I never had rotten tomatoes or manure flung at me. Uh, I never pelted with rocks or, or punched. But that's the thing about the word is when the word is is proclaimed uh, boldly, when the word is is when the word itself it, in and of itself is convicting. You're going to run across things when you read the word that it's, it is going to convict you. It's going to demand change. And what we do with those is 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 key. So here we see, back to the story, here we see that Jeremiah has been banned from going to the house of the Lord. That's in verse 5. Verse 6 says so, says this, still kind of mid-sentence here. He says, so you are to go, this is talking Jeremiah talking to Baruch. He says, so since he's banned from the, 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 the house of the Lord, you, Jeremiah is telling him, you are to go, and on a day of fasting in the hearing of all the people in the Lord's house, you shall read uh, read the words of the Lord from the scroll that you have written at my dictation. You shall read them also in the hearing of all the men of Judah who come out of their cities. So this is interesting. Jeremiah is saying to Baruch, hey, I want you to go, I want you to go in during a day of fasting. Now, a day of fasting People don't just fast. It's not something that's enjoyable. It's not something that's fun. People don't just fast. So, so here we see that that even when their hearts were so far away from God, they they were still they were still fulfilling the, these particular days of fasting that was commanded to them by the, by the law. They were still doing these things. It's interesting to me that Isaiah has, has talked. The, the book of Isaiah talks about this as well uh, maybe of something that he he dealt with as well but in Isaiah chapter 58 I just want to read uh, just a few verses here verses 3 through 7 it says this it says I'm going to start in the in the middle of verse 3 he says behold in the day of of your fast you seek your own pleasure or another word for pleasure here is your own business you seek what you want what you desire and it says and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to be hum for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? Okay, so here, I want to stop here for just a minute. Notice this first part here. First part is, is Isaiah is, is writing what God is speaking to him. And God is saying, the, the, your fast is all about you. It's not about anything else. It's not even designed. You're, you're not doing it in the way that I have called you to do it. You're doing it all for yourself. It's a day for you to seek your own pleasure. And then verse 6 says, Is not this the fast that I chose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover him and to hide yourself from your own flesh? It goes on, the whole, the whole chapter is dedicated to 
uh, true fasting versus false fasting. And what we see here is, is it seems to me their hearts are far away from God, but they're still, they're still going through the motions, probably hoping to get a blessing, probably hoping to have the favor of God because they are going through the motions of this. But that's not what God desired. That's not what God desires from us either. Back to the story here in, in, in verse 7. It says this, it says, It may be that their plea for mercy will come before the Lord, and that everyone will turn from his evil way. For great is the anger and wrath that the, that the Lord has pronounced against his people. This is, this, is, this is the call to repentance. This is God's desire is that they will repent. And repentance is a, is a word that just means to turn and run the other way. To turn, if you're running towards sin, God gives you the opportunity to turn, turn away from that and run back to him. In Jeremiah chapter 7, uh, there's an interesting thing here. Jeremiah chapter 7, starting in verse 9. Jeremiah 27, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 7, starting in verse 9. It says, Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. I have seen it, declares the Lord. If you think about the passage, um, the, the story in the, in the New Testament where Jesus cleanses a temple, he comes in and he sees these money changers in the temple selling, selling animals for sacrifices, and, and they're, they're, it's, it's extortion. I mean, they're... they're, they're it's, it's not it's not fair business let's so just put it that way and Jesus gets mad and 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 he's he's turning over tables he's driving people out with whips he's 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 mad and 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 the disciples it says the disciples remember that zeal that 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 the word had said that zeal for my house will consume him and Jesus had zeal for for the house of God to be to be a holy place and these guys were coming in and they were they were living their lives out here doing what they wanted to do, and then they come in and say, we're delivered. And yet they go right back to their, to their abominations. As I read and as I, as I look at this passage and I study it, I think, I think about our, our culture. I think about our generation. I think about the things that are being taught in our public schools that are, that are being taught as being the way it is when it's so far from the truth. It's so... It's, it's, it's evil, it's demonic. And we can get swept up into that so easily if we're not basing our life on what God says, understanding who we are according to who God says we are. We can fall into those traps. So here we go, verse, uh, verse 9. It says, In the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, all the people in Jerusalem... And all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem pro proclaimed a fast before the Lord. So here we go. This is the day of fasting that Jeremiah is talking about. He sent Baruch to come in to this day of fasting. 
and he's going to read the, he's going to read the word that that Isaiah has dictated to him that he wrote down. Verse ten. So then, in the hearing of all the people, Baruch read this read the, read the words of Jeremiah. Now he's reading it to the people. He's reading it to the people, not not the leaders. He's reading it to the people right now. Then the hearing of all the people, Baruch read the words of Jeremiah from the scroll in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, the secretary, which was in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. So I want to share just a couple of things here from 2 Kings chapter 22. I love, I love the story of Josiah in Scripture. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, second, but here in Second Kings chapter twenty-two, I'm going to read basically two verses. And it, it, and what I want to do is I want to, I want to, I want to link these two stories together because I want us to understand that this is just a few years after, after what happened in Second Kings twenty-two, where twenty-two and twenty-three, where, where Josiah. Where Josiah restores the Passover and he 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 cleanses, uh, purges the evil, uh, the 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 idols and things. And this is just a few years after that. Now in Second Kings chapter twenty two verse three, it says in the eighteenth year of King Josiah the the king sent Shaphan the son of Azaliah. So there's there's Shaphan. Now here back in uh, in Jeremiah, we see that they were in the chamber of Gemariah the son of Shaphan. So. There's been a generation here that has passed. Shaphan is is his son Gamariah is the is is <clears throat> he's in the right here we see talk, talking about the chamber of Gamariah the son of Shaphan the secretary. So this is the son of Shaphan that's mentioned here in in 2 Kings chapter 22. Now look at verse 8 of 2 Kings chapter 22. It says, And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah, and Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan, this is verse 9. And Shaphan the, the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house, and I have delivered it in the hands of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. So this is a very similar, similar story. The word of the Lord had been found in, and, and this this is the key. The word of the Lord had been found in, in as Josiah was king. Word of the Lord was found. He was he was sorrowful. He realized that they were wrong. Josiah did, and he he turned back to God. He turned and he purged all this evil and he did all these things. Now we're now we're years later. Not that many years later. This is Josiah's son that's king now. And we're going to find out how he responds when the word of the Lord is read to him. Okay? So so keep in mind when Josiah, when when the word was read to Josiah, he repented and turned back to God. Now we're going to see how this story ends. And this is Josiah's son. Okay? So the story the the the, the stories tie together. There's there's family that's involved here. The stories definitely tie together. So let's 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 continue on here. This is verse. Um, well, let me read. Uh, let me read verse eleven. I don't think I've read it yet. 
It says, When Micaiah the son of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, heard all the words of, of the Lord from the scroll, he went down to the king's house, into the secretary's chamber, and all the officials were sitting there. Okay, so, so <clears throat> Micaiah seems to be a very, a very godly man. Uh, he would have been connected to the reforms and revival under King Josiah. Um, I want to read another couple of verses from 2 Kings 22 to tie all this together a little bit more. 2 Kings 22, back to the story of Josiah. And I'm going to read verses 12, uh, verses 12 and 13. It says, And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahakim the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of, of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So here we see, again, these families are tied together. We see this guy right here is a godly man. He was, he was part of that reform. He knows. He's walked through this before. Okay? So he went down to the secretary's chambers. All the officials were sitting there. Now, he's, now this guy is taking the word to the officials. Okay? And verse 12, just basically the rest of, rest of verse 12 basically talks about the names of the of the, all the officials and we do see Gamariah the son of Shaphan as one of those officials okay so let's drop to verse 13 and Micaiah told them all the words that he had heard when Baruch, Baruch had read the scroll in the hearing of the people then all the officials sent Jehudi the son of Nathaniah the son of Shelemiah son of Cushi to say to Baruch Take in your hand the scroll that you have read in the hearing of the people in the hearing of the people and come. So Baruch, the son of Neriah, took the scroll in his hand and came to them. And they said to him, Sit down and read it. So Baruch read, Baruch read it to them. Verse 16. It says, When they heard all the words, they turned to one another in fear, and they said to Baruch, We must report all these words to the king. Then they asked Baruch, tell us please, how did you write all these words? Was it at his dictation? And Baruch answered them saying, he, talking about Jeremiah, dictated all these words to me while I wrote them with ink on the scroll. Then the official said to Baruch, go and hide you and Jeremiah and let no one know where you are. So the officials are actually taking Jeremiah and Baruch, knowing that the king is not going to like their words. They're taking them and they're actually hiding them. They're actually protecting them here okay so the officials knew that the king was going to be furious was not going to like the news of this this word that was that the lord had spoken because it was condemning to judah and it was condemning to him uh, the king jehoiakim it was condemning to him and it was also condemning to the people there was there was there was judgments coming and god was giving them an opportunity to turn See, the word of the Lord was spoken to Josiah, and he turned. And right now, we're fixing to see it Jehoiakim. The word is getting ready to be spoken to Jehoiakim, and we're going to see his response. So let's go on here. Verse 20. So they went into the court to the king, having put the scroll in the chamber of Elishamah, 
the secretary, and they reported all the words to the king. Then the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll, and he took it from the chamber of Elishema, the secretary, and Jehudi read it to the king and all the officials who stood before beside who who stood beside the king. It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house, and there was fire burning in the fire pot before him. Verse twenty-three, and and I'm going to give you the title of my message now. The title of my message is this: is a it is called the price for rejecting the Lord. The price for rejecting the Lord. As Jehudi read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife. So so understand what's going on. Jehudi is reading what Jeremiah has dictated to Baruch, who wrote this wrote this down. It says, as he read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a with what's called a pen knife. He would cut them off with his knife, and he would throw them in the fire, into the fire pots, until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. So, it was it was almost like he was saying, I don't want that to be to that I don't want those words to exist. So I'm gonna just I'm just gonna do away with them, but. Regardless if they had a scroll or not, God had already spoken these words. This was an opportunity for the king to, to fall down and, and, and cry out to God and repent for what he was doing. And instead, he cut these off into strips and threw them into the, into the fire pots. See, so, so what we need to understand is by destroying the scroll, the king was revealing his heart. It was he was showing that he was defiant for Jeremiah's writings. He was defiant to God. He was defiant to God's word. And what we need to understand is this is it's very it's very, very, very important for our spiritual for in our spiritual life that we develop and we maintain a deep love and respect for God's written word. And that's and we need to understand that the word is the means by which he has chosen to reveal himself and his truth to us. We may not just try to destroy the word. We may not burn our Bibles. We may not try to destroy the word like what like what Jehoiakim had done here. But we may even unintentionally disregard the word. We may read something that we don't like, and we just kind of cut it out of our lives. Say, I, nah, I'm not interested in that. That seems strange. That seems weird. I'm not interested in any of that. And as and, and we can be somebody that's a student of the Word and still do that. We can study the Word, and we can apply the Word to our lives, but we can still... Find things that we don't like, and we and we struggle. I'll be honest. There's things that when I read, I, I, I really kind of clench a fist and go, "Wow, that's hard. That's tough." But we're called to be humble and understand that God's ways and God's thoughts are greater than ours. That we shouldn't lean on our own understanding. We need to understand that even though we may not agree with that word, we can still, we can we can pray and ask God to help us to, to put that word into practice in our lives that we can repent for not believing, not agreeing with it and we can turn.
it's just we have to read the word with a humble heart <laughs> we have to read the word with a repentant heart and we have to consistently build on that relationship with God we have to we have to as 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 Romans 12 talks about renewing our mind we need to renew our mind daily we live in a world that's very rapidly shaking their fist at God more and more shaking their fist at God's word and this and this is happening with with even religious leaders i heard a story of a of a pastor that was speaking at a pastors conference one time and he was talking about the the resurrection of Jesus and in this he, he was getting all fired up talking about the resurrection and 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 everything and one pastor one pastor raised his hand and he said but what if what if you don't believe that and and the speaker said believe what and the guy said believe in the resurrection and there were numerous pastors who were kind of shaking their head like yeah we we agree with this we don't we don't believe and that's 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 scary. <laughs> That's scary to me. It seems that in many ways that we're more we're more we're more focused on entertainment than we are on worship. So here here we see that the king was was cutting these off and cutting the words off in strips, throwing them in the fire. Listen to what verse twenty four says. I think this is key as well. It says neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words were afraid. This is pride. This is pride. Nor did they tear their garments. This is pride. See, today, some want to decide for themselves what is true. Some want to decide what is false. They want to decide what is true in the Bible and what is false in the Bible. They want to be able to dictate and say what actually happened and what is a fairy tale story. Some want to decide what moral teaching should be kept for our present age and which ones they believe we have that we have progressed beyond, that we don't need that anymore because we're we're enlightened. Okay? Then and now God's word is cut before it is burned. So what we see here in this story taken in Jeremiah, this is years before Christ, many years before Jesus Christ. What we see happening then actually happens now. Maybe not in a physical way of cutting and burning the pages, but we're taking the word and we're dissecting it, we're cutting it up. People are saying this is true, this is for this is this okay, we can we can live by this, but this one here we're past that. We're enlightened. And, 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 and there's not a lot of unity. Even in, even in the body of Christ, we have numerous denominations, and we can get into an argue, argumentative discussion over something very small that Scripture talks about. And we can, we, can, we can not live in unity together because of something that we disagree on. I think it's time that we, as Christians, be able to sit across from our brother and talk with each other, and and maybe he's maybe he's got a, maybe he has a point or something that we don't fully agree with, but maybe it's something we need to look at. 
Maybe it's something we need to dig into and say, maybe I'm not, maybe, maybe the way I believe is not right. But then when we dig into it, we may find out, yeah, but I, 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 what I believe is, is, is what scripture says. And then we go, we go to our brother and say, listen, this is what the word says. And we, and we study it together instead of getting all bent out of shape about it. And people outside the church see that. They hear that. This word is life. It is food for us. And so many times we just flippantly disregard it. Verse 25. Even when El Nathan and the Deliah and Gamariah urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. These, these are the guys who are saying, whoa, don't, no, don't do that, don't do that. And he just disregarded it. He was, he was bent on his own ways. His heart was evil and he was bent on doing what he wanted to do. And when, when truth came to him, he didn't want to accept it. And then the king in verse 26 commanded that Baruch and Jeremiah be seized. The last part of verse 26 says, but the Lord hid them. Verse 27 says, Now after the king had burned the scroll with the words that Baruch had writ wrote at Jeremiah's dictation, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Take another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, was, had, has burned. And concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, you shall say, Thus says the Lord, You have burned the scroll, saying, why have you written in it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and will cut off from it man and beast? Now, verse 30 is where, is where the title of this message came from. This is the price that the king paid for rejecting the Lord. Now, the king has to pay a price for rejecting the Lord. And so do people. Not just a king, not just Jehoiakim, but we do as well. We have a price to pay for rejecting the Lord. Verse 30 says this, Therefore thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim king of Judah, He shall have none to sit on the throne of David. He shall have none to sit on the throne of David. And his dead body shall be cast out to the heat by day and the frost by night. And I will punish him and his offspring and his servants for their iniquity. I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the, and upon the people of Judah all the disaster that I have pronounced against them, but they would not hear. In the book of Corinthians, Paul writes that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neriah. This is verse 32. Who wrote on it at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the scroll of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire. 
and, and many similar words were added to them. Now, we can, we can look at this and say, well, pastor, that's, that's Old Testament. Is it? This passage happens to be Old Testament. Let me share a couple of things with you here. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 2. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. He goes on in verse 3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Okay, this is New Testament. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. How about another one? How about, um, how about in the book of Acts? Acts chapter, Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 54. Now, I need to give a little bit of background before I get into this. This is when Stephen has preached this message not to, to everyone, to the assembly. It's time. He preaches this message. And listen to what happens. Listen to their response. Now, I'll be honest with you. Stephen didn't pull any punches. He says in verse 51 of Acts chapter 7, he calls them, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. So he wasn't pulling any punches. But let's be honest with you. Sometimes the truth hurts. And we have to recognize it as truth. But the enemy wants us to, to, to not recognize it, as, recognize it as truth because he doesn't want us to turn from it. So, so Stephen has called them, hey, you guys are being stiff-necked. You're being rebellious. You, 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 you're uncircumcised in hearts and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Now drop to verse 54. And he says this. He says, now when... Uh, uh, Acts 7.54 says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Verse 56, And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Verse 57, listen. But they cried out with a loud voice, and they stopped their ears, and they rushed toward him. They cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. See, Stephen brought the word of truth, and it cost him his life. Why? Because people wouldn't repent. It's because people didn't like the truth. Jehoiakim, back in Jeremiah, didn't like the truth. So he cut it up and burned it. 
Josiah, back in 2 Kings 22 and 23, heard the truth, understood it was truth and not a lie, and he repented. Now, I see this in, in, in Acts chapter 7. I just, I just really try to paint the picture. I see them rushing at him, gnashing their teeth, grinding their teeth at Stephen, and putting their fingers in their ears so they don't have to hear what he's saying. And we live in a world that is very similar to that. So the question that I have for you, the question that I've wrestled with for me, is are there truths that are being spoken that I'm, I'm putting my fingers in my ears and saying, I don't want to hear that? What about you? Maybe you don't want to give up your lifestyle of sin and pleasure. Maybe you feel like you and God are okay when really you're not. Maybe you've chosen a life of chasing after what you desire and not chasing after God. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just like in the story of Jehoiakim, God has had, had placed this warning out there desiring to see him repent. Just like with Josiah, God has placed this word out there desiring to see them repent and, and turn. And just like today, God is placing this word before you and saying, I'm giving you opportunity to repent and to turn. He doesn't want you to live in disobedience. We can flippantly write off sin as being not that big a deal, but it is a big deal. It cost Jesus Christ his life. So I urge you, examine your life. Allow God to speak to you. Are you living for yourself and your desires? Or are you living for God and his desires? Are you taking the good news of the gospel out with you as you go? and being witnesses of his goodness, of his salvation and his love. Father, I just thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, that it, it is alive and active. Lord, I just pray that you just penetrate our hearts, Lord. Lord, reveal those things to us that, that uh, do not bring you glory. Maybe it's the things we say. Maybe it's the things we think. Maybe we should take the words in Corinthians that says to take every thought captive and make it become obedient to Christ. Lord, use us, mold us, shape us. And Lord, may we consistently, consistently 
own the relationship that we have with you. May it not just be a Sunday morning thing where we attend church and we think we've got it for the week, but that we daily take up our cross daily and we follow you. Love you, Lord. I always give you praise. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.